Welcome to Ed Talk with Tamara. Today we're going to talk about sensory needs. And quite simply, when we talk about the future of education, we are realizing that more and more of our students have sensory sensitivities. And today's podcast is going to address how we can help our children at home and in the classroom. So thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to Ed Talk with Tamara. And of course, I'm your host, Tamara. Today, we're going to be talking about sensory rooms. We're going to be talking about ideas that we can use to create a sensory room or sensory space. And as parents, we always want to do our best for our kids, including supporting them to ensure they have everything they need to succeed in life. And one great way to do this is for us to set up a sensory room or sensory space. And this is not just for parents. This can be for educators as well, because we also need to set up sensory spaces in our classroom to ensure all children succeed. So setting up sensory rooms is something schools, hospitals, and community centers commonly do to help children develop, explore, and engage their different senses. These spaces benefit neurodivergent sensory kids because they can provide calm, focus, and comfort when it's needed. If setting up one of these rooms sounds like something you would do in your home, then hey, you're in the right place listening today. We will be sharing sensory room ideas, not only for autistic and ADHD ADHD children, but we're also going to be setting up or sharing sensory room ideas and how you can set them up in a budget-friendly and effective way. Since many of you do homeschooling, at-home learning, or a hybrid of such type of schooling, then we're going to tailor these tips to how you can use it in home. But again, like I said, educators out there, you can use this in your classrooms as well. So let's jump in. We have a few different tips we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about number one, having a quiet space where your child can focus. Number two, we're going to set up, talk about setting up a distraction-free desk. Number three, we're going to talk about minimizing the distraction on devices. Yeah, you know, those iPads, those phones, we all have them. Number four, provide an alternate seating option or even two. And number five, we're going to talk about removing anything that can overstimulate their senses. And then number six, we're going to talk about adding things to a room that can help a sensory needs child regulate themselves. And then, of course, we're going to talk about what should be in a sensory room or space. And we're going to talk about those things that absolutely you should avoid having in a sensory room or space. All right, so first and foremost, number one, let's talk about having a quiet space where your child can focus. Even though we've all experienced some funny moments when we're attending a virtual class or a meeting where someone else didn't realize that your camera was on, well, those moments don't necessarily help (laughs) with the learning environment, especially when we want our children to focus. So not only can these (laughs) unintentional walk-bys can be distracting for your child, but they can also be distracting for children in the virtual classroom and even the teacher as well. So 
it's really difficult, like I said, when you have all these distractions, whether it's aunts, uncles, grandmas, dogs, cats, whatever the case may be, um, now the teacher has to really work hard to get all of the students back on track and focus on whatever the discussion was on. And this can waste some essential time. Neurodivergent kids already have a challenging time being focused and staying focused. So putting them in an environment where the dog is running around or they can hear the TV or they can hear family discussions going on or even toys surrounding them, well, that's not the best way for a child to stay focused on their schoolwork. If you have no choice but to set up your child in a common area of the house, and we know that this happens quite often, right? Well, then provide them with some noise canceling headphones so that they can focus better and make sure their um, back is turned towards the activity that's going on. So it's behind them and not in front of them. So those are a few ways to help set up a sensory space for schoolwork that is less distracting. It's very important. Number two, set up a distraction-free desk. Yes, please. I know I need to do this for myself as I'm looking at my desk that's kind of cluttered. I need to go back. I usually take a one day a week to kind of clear off things from my desk that I don't need to be bombarded with so that I can focus. We want to ensure that there's no distractions on a desk. That means having minimal stuff on the desk. So when they're getting ready for their lessons or whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's a project that you've given them or a virtual lesson, make sure they have only what is needed for that lesson. Now for a neurodiverse child, or someone who has some sensory needs, we need to make sure they can have like a toy, like a poppet, um, or some kind of fidget toy, a squishy something, but just one. Give them a choice of one to have during that lesson. And oftentimes I suggest you have a bin of fidget toys nearby and you give them a choice. Okay, you're about to sign on for your math lesson you know, choose your, choose your toy and they choose one. And then you go and take the others out of the room away from them. So they have their one toy that they have chosen for that amount of time. And it's important to give them choice and they can switch it up. All right. So by keeping the workspace simple, you can help your child focus on the items they need. Maybe it's just paper and pencil, or it's their um, book and a dry erase marker and a whiteboard, whatever it is. By keeping the desk simple, you're eliminating the temptation of them becoming distracted by other things. Number three, let's minimize the distraction on their devices. Whether it's a computer, whether it's a tablet, whether it's an iPad, whatever it is, you might want to remove all those extra apps, right? The games, the apps, the things that are not essential for them remove it so they're not tempted. Or I know sometimes you can put timers or locks on them or block it out for a certain part of the day. Whatever you need to do, do that so that they will not have that distraction. And I also want to remind you, all of you, because I have to do this for myself as well, turn off the notifications and pop-ups as well, because those can be extremely distracting and make us think about everything except what we're supposed to focus on. All right, 
Number four, you can provide alternate seating. For kids with sensory issues, providing them with some active seating options is a great way to keep them calm and focused on their schoolwork. Active sitting occurs when a seat allows the chair's occupant to remain active, even while seated. So think of those exercise balls. You know, you can wiggle and wiggle and wiggle, but you're still focused on doing your work. Um, Another active seating for a sensory room can be a bean bag, um, the stability balls, the stability stools, and they even now have little chair mats with nubs on them that are kind of squishy. So you can just put that on any chair they're in. There's lots of different items out there now. There's so many choices opposed to what there was 20 years ago. So just Google active seating for your child and you're going to find a lot of choices. Find one that speaks best to their needs. All right, number five, removing anything that can overstimulate their senses. Many children can easily experience sensory overload due to light, smell, noise, and so on. So remove anything that can overstimulate their senses. For example, you can remove harsh or flickering lights and replace them with some mellow colored ones. You can also, or you should also remove any plug in the wall odor eliminators. These give off really powerful smells. I know I cannot stand to be in a room with those. That is huge for me. Um, Candles with scents, essential oils, things like that. Those you should remove anything that can overstimulate. So think about all the bright lights, all of the different smells. Um, and when, let me go back to lighting for a minute. Some people need it. It depends on where the light's coming from. Some need it to be above their head. Some of them, some people need lamps with soft lighting. Uh, myself, I'm going to tell you, I need to be by a window. I need lots of natural light. That's my preferred learning style is to have that natural light. It helps me focus and help me, um, just gives me the energy I need to do what I need to do. So think about lights and smells and noise. You might want to, um, think about a white noise machine. And of course, those noise canceling headphones are also fabulous. Number six you can add things to a room that can help children regulate. It's especially common for neurodiverse individuals to be overwhelmed or overstimulated, and they need strategies to help them regulate. Now, something really simple that you can do is just take a box or a bin. Um, it could even be a clothes, um, clothes hamper, one of those plastic ones, and just throw some heavy books in it. And just have a child slide that around on the floor. What I tell parents to do all the time, take some masking tape and create some really cool like track, you know, that they have to push that bin all around the room like it's an automobile following the masking tape track. Kids love to do that and that just helps them to to regulate. And it only takes a few minutes and then they can go back and get focused and do whatever task they were on. 
you'll see them, especially if they are neurodiverse, they might be stimming. And that's, that's one of your cues, right? That they're becoming overstimulated and overwhelmed. So that's when you might want to try that heavy bin to push around. Another idea is to have a weighted blanket. Um, they can crawl under it. It can help them relax. They also have some weighted stuffed animals they can put on their lap, things like that. Bring into the sensory room or the sensory space. All right. Um, other things that you can have, um, in a sensory room, you want to make sure that it's going to help foster calm and foster calmness, foster focus, uh, make sure that they feel comfort at any time. So you want to include just all sorts of things that they can choose from. Remember, we don't want them to be overwhelmed with a lot of stuff. So make sure they choose things they know they need. Um, there are even things like a balance beam. I've used that in classrooms and they just walk across it. It helps them focus on the balancing and it helps them regulate themselves. Um, yes, bean bags. We talked about fidget spinners, bubble tubes, a ball pit. This is great in a house. Just get one of those, um, little pools, you know, they sell in the summertime. There's just a, a blow up pool is small in size, fill it with a lot of those plastic balls. Just kids just go inside and that sensory, it just calms them. So there's also sensory mats that you can buy with different textures. Um, there's also a lot of just handheld like little blankets that have different textures um like different strips of fabric with different textures that can be something as well so um let's see all of those different things those are just a few of the items that you can bring into your sensory room in your sensory space oh yeah body socks i wanted to include body socks if you've tried a way to a weighted blanket, and maybe that's not something that's working for your child, you can try a body sock. These are sack-like pieces of stretchy fabric that kind of like zip themselves up in. And when they go to push out on the fabric, it kind of stretches, but pushes against them. It gives some deep pressure input and they're known to help kids feel like they're in a safe space and they help calm an overstimulated nervous system. We talked about a white noise machine, or I mentioned it earlier, but this is especially important if your child is sensitive to loud sounds or music, or even if you live in a neighborhood that has a lot of traffic, um, a lot of outdoor noises, things that might catch a child, you know, whether it's dog barking, um, you know, something that catches them off guard. Um, even like the washing machine and things like that. I mean, we talked about the headphones, but also try a white noise machine because it gives some consistency, right? And blocks out all of those jarring noises. Um, anything you can include in your sensor room should take into account your, your child's needs. So make sure, because there are also things that you should avoid putting in a sensory room altogether, such as harsh lighting, like LED lights and fluorescent lights. Those are not conducive. And a lot of people will experience hypersensitivity when it comes to harsh lighting. Also strong smells. We touched on this earlier, making sure that the aromas of certain foods or perfumes or essential oils, or like I said, those plug in, um, room scented 
center, I can't think whether the plugins, you know, or their odor eliminators or whatever, they can be too much for a sensory child to handle. Um, you can also think about sounds. Um, when we talked about sounds in the white noise maker, but also think about, um, what's going to be happening for your child, like events around your community, like loud music and fireworks, or even, um, too many conversations happening at once. That can be too much. And if you're an educator, I'm going to throw this out there because I know in our curriculum, when we talk about teaching, it is required in many of the different states and the curriculum, the common core and all of that, um, that we have to do group projects. And when we do a group project in a classroom, it can become overstimulating because there's too many people talking at once. And you can't even focus on what your group's saying because you're in one small classroom having multiple groups. So use some of those classroom dividers or even use those clear dividers so you can still um, monitor the children, of course, and supervise them. But you can use those clear dividers also, use sound absorbing material. Um, so the pillows, the um, sometimes I just use like floor mats, you know, carpets, those little sample carpets at a carpet store or even at um, Lowe's or Home Depot. You know, when they get rid of their carpet samples, ask for those. You can use that so that the sound doesn't bounce off your concrete floor. It's absorbed into the material. So use that. That'll help as well. So make sure you focus on what kind of sounds children can handle. And you might just need to give them some um, earplugs as well, because there are earplugs that only block out a certain level of decibels. And whatever level your child needs, you can get those earplugs as well. So they can still participate in that small group, but maybe it's blocking out all the extra sound. Same thing with the headphones. Those are really really great as well. Um, yeah. So you might have to combine a sensory bedroom and a sensory workspace. It all depends on how your home is designed. It all depends on how much square footage you have in your house, right? So combining a sensory bedroom and a sensory workspace all in one room then you need to do a few things to make sure it's kept as a sensory room. First and foremost, you need to have a decluttered sleeping area. Too many toys, too many options can cause thought stimulation and prevent proper sleep. So let's design a safe sleeping area that feels cozy and makes them feel safe and calm. So make sure to include pillows and blankets with the right touch sensor touch sensory. I can say that sensory word. I really can't touch sensory for your child. Think about, is it silk? Is it cotton? Is it fleece? Choose the one that best helps your child relax. And what you want to do is set up zones in your room. As much as you might enjoy working in bed occasionally, I think we can all agree that this is not the best way to get motivated and do our most productive work. Well, it's the same for our children. So let's set up zones within the room. Have your decluttered sleeping area in one spot and then on the opposite side of the room, a little workspace. And then of course, sensory toys in another space. Now, what I really suggest is 
If it's toys other than your sensory toys, keep them in another section of your house. Designate a closet, designate a bin, designate an area outside of their bedroom. If they need to bring an extra toy into the room, then try the one-in, one-out rule. So if they want to bring a new toy in, then they need to choose a toy to take out of the room. All right, then it doesn't become a cluttered bedroom that can overstimulate them. All right, the one-in, one-out rule is a great idea to prevent the overwhelming toys becoming a problem. And if you don't have space at all, because sometimes I know we share bedrooms and things like that. So if you don't have a space for a sensory room, then set up a sensory area somewhere in your home. Consider setting up a sensory nook. It can be in the corners, in one of the corners of your common space, like your dining room or family room, or you can even remove the doors off one of your closets and make it a literal, literal, <laughs> you can make it a little sensory nook for your child. So just take off those closet doors, make it nice and cozy, you know, have those sensory options in there, and then it can be a safe space for your child as a little sensory nook. Try to choose one or more of the quiet areas of the home that this can be a safe space for your child. You always want to think about what their needs are. So here you go. That's the end of it today. So there's a lot of information you can take with you about sensory rooms or sensory spaces for your child. And even it could possibly be for yourself. So those are a few tips that we have for sensory rooms or sensory spaces. Now, I do know of a conference coming up this summer. If you are interested in more sensory strategies, sensory tools, and all sorts of information on sensory regulation, sensory sensitivity is something that we have a lot of people in this world that are in need of assistance, right? Um, whether it's in museums, in a classroom, at home, while we're learning, whatever it is, whether it's through clothing, whether it's through lighting, there's a lot of sensory needs out there. So I want to let you know that in June, from June 13th through 16th, there is a neurodiversity learning retreat and conference being held in Stewart, Florida. It's going to be at the Marriott Golf and Marina Resort in Hutchinson Island. It's a really gorgeous area for a retreat. And if you would like to go and check it out, the registration is um, being hosted through infinitelearningacademy.net. That's infinitelearningacademy.net and just log into their learning retreats and conferences. They have buttons or it's at the top of their page and you can just go ahead and log in and register for the retreat. It's going to be a fantastic retreat because it is a nice relaxing way to learn more about sensory needs and they're also going to have some information on how to help autism and ADHD students and children as well. I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to Ed Talk. Have a great day.